Hey, it's Candia Raquel, founder of Centro de Poder, and you are at the Sensual Sessions podcast, the place to explore moving completely free from inhibition, sensing pleasure through your senses. And today we have a very special guest. This is John Britton. He's an artist, a dramaturg, an actor, a painter, um, coach, an extraordinary person. Welcome, John. I'm so honored to have you here. It's lovely to be here, Candia. Thank you. I really enjoy talking with you. Uh, me too. Tell us a little bit about um, that wonderful question. Who are you? Who you are? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> it depends what day. <laughs> It depends who's asking and what day of the week it is. Um, well, the external facts, uh, I'm John Britton. I've spent 30 years training performers, originally actors, but then dancers, improvisers, circus performers, musicians. And then I started realizing that really we're all performers. We are always playing some kind of role. You play the role of a son or a daughter, a mother or a father, a teacher, someone in a supermarket, someone going to the bank. You are always playing a role. So I began to work not just with actors and dancers, but with community activists, with educators, with business people, entrepreneurs, uh, people engaged in personal development because the skills and the knowledge that an actor has to learn are skills and knowledge which serve anyone in any area of life because all of us are playing a role. Now, people think that means I'm saying we're being fake. Acting is not fake. Okay. Acting is authentically playing a role it's okay. not real you're not really a general or you're really a soldier but you are really doing what you're doing okay. acting is deep work yes so when i'm playing the role of a son i'm authentically playing the role of a son i am authentically talking to you now to the best yes. of my ability yes. acting is not fake acting is very very real we just are playing a role when we act. And that's true for all of us all of the time. So when you say, who are you? I go, well, I don't know. It depends who I'm talking to and what time of the week it is. Yeah, and the role that you're playing. Absolutely. Uh, that's fascinating because I am intrigued by, by the sincerity in performing and also the lack of thereof. Like an example, now I have a felt sense of being like me, Candia, hosting the Essential Sessions podcast with you, but like this comes naturally. But sometimes I am too self-conscious on how should I look like, yeah, 
like I, I get like crystallized into, into not a, a performance, but a pretense. And I believe that this is uh, one of the enemies of sensuality, especially on intimacy. Like, like for example, you want to seduce your, your beloved or whatever, and, and you are like performing or maybe not performing, but you are pretending to be something or someone who you are not. But where's the little, the, the thin line between being authentically playing that role or just being um, pretendful? Yeah, or fake. Fake, exactly. Yeah. Well, the thin line we can define as presence. Bam! Presence. Because, you see, this is true for bad acting, whether on stage, on camera, or in your daily life. If you are attempting to be what you do not feel you are, what you should be, how you believe other people want you to behave, what you need to do to get approval from other people in some way. All of these things are based on what you think the world is expecting from you. And those responses are based on your fears about what if, what if I am not attractive enough? What if the audience do not like me? What if I am ashamed and excluded from my community? Whatever. They're all based on what if. Now, presence moves us from what if to what is. What is. Yes. What is being asked of me now not what do i think is being asked of me what not what am i afraid of what is being asked of me now what is my need now what is my body telling me now what is this situation now what are you saying to me not what i think you're going to say or how can i sound clever Th those things are going to turn me into a pretentious fake yes. if i hear what you say and I allow it to echo in the chamber of my body mind, then I can hear the answer that comes. And the answer will be an answer to you or to your lover in the bedroom or to the audience in the theater, not an answer to your own fears. Now you mentioned sensuality. Yes, one of the key ways of becoming present is to access your senses. If you want to know what is right now, listen, look, taste this cup of tea. Well, you can't taste it because you're not here, but I'm going to become present with my cup of tea. Through engaging my senses, actually taste the liquid, actually hear, actually see, 
my hand is resting on a wooden desk. It's got grooves in it. If I start to go off into fantasies about, oh, my God, am I talking crap? Does she think I'm stupid? I can come back to the present by feeling the wood under my fingers. Our senses, our sensuality are the five corridors we have between our inner universe and the outer universe. And we must go up and down those corridors to see both. What's at one end, the outer world? What's at the other end, my inner world? It is the senses that allows us to make that connection. And it is that connection that allows us to be real. Wow. The five senses are our five corridors of connections, connection between our inner world and the outer world. And we can yeah. find authenticity there. And well, there. I often, we all have the experience of observing ourselves. You, you, you realize that you're thinking something. You notice that there's thoughts happening. You hear yourself singing a piece of music in your head. You might notice a tingling in your hand. I observe my inner world. Yes. So I am not my tingling hand. I look at my tingling hand. I am not the music that is going through my head. I am listening to the music in my head. So we're all familiar with that process of, you know, that experience of self-observation. It's, it's, you know, there's a difference between I and my lived experience. I watch my experience. There's also, there's a difference between me and that light, this computer, that cup. I'm watching those things as well. So I often describe... I, the observing self, as sitting on the edge between two universes. And those two universes are the inner world and the outer world. And I am watching both of them. Of course, they're connected because what goes from the inner world enters through my set from the outer world enters through my senses and is interpreted through my inner world. But nonetheless, simply enough, we could say, I am looking at what's out there, I am looking at what's in here. The senses are how those two worlds connect. And I often envisage myself and would train actors by saying, you're sitting on the edge between two universes. Yes. And, you know, that. there's only five ways those universes talk to each other. So you sit on the edge and you make sure those two universes can talk to each other and you observe the conversation. And that conversation is called presence. Presence. Yeah, sitting in between two universes that in a way is what you say about the self with others and also the self through others and the others through ourselves in in an inseparable re relation and communication absolutely inseparable i would go further and say this observing self me looking at the world out there, looking at the world in here. This observing me only exists through connection. I am always connected with something, with my own thoughts, my own experiences, with the sound of the wind in the chimney because there's a storm blowing outside my house, with the computer on which I'm talking to you. I'm always connected with something. When I am not connected with anything and the only times i'm aware of 
is when I'm unconscious or in non-dream sleep, because even dreams are connections with one's own brain. So the times when I am not connected with anything, I'm unconscious or I'm not dreaming but asleep, I stop existing. I stop. Because you, you go to bed at you know 11 o'clock at night and you sleep all the way through the night and you don't have any dreams. You have no sense that you existed. You disappeared. Yes. You you went, it's 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night. I finished reading my book. Good Lord, it's morning. Time for coffee. You just went. You exist in connection. So it is entirely inseparable. You can't think of yourself except yourself in connectedness might be connection with other aspects of yourself it might be connection with the outside world but it is always in connection we exist always in connection and this leads me to wonder about the numbing of the senses on on eating the whole pizza without realizing that you've just like i've done it many times mm. like I find that I finish the whole pizza when I am eating the last slide and I never really realized or enjoyed until that moment. Like I swallowed mm. a whole pizza without tasting it. And mm. I'm better with conversations. Like I, I'm better at listening with when there's someone, but also in, in connection to other people, In my case, I've, I've numbed myself, which sometimes makes me good in dealing with crisis situations because I am like, like cold and more like a robot. Mm -hmm. But that also has made me emotionally handicapped in a way because something happens and I cry three weeks later or I realize what happened four years afterwards. And my question is, how can we like be in the edge of these two universes, the inner and the outer, and be in connection with our senses? Because actually we cannot not be, like we cannot de deny our connection with, with the world and with other people. But like, how to set this cliche term of boundaries? For example, how how can one play one's role in a in your life when you are having problems with your neighbors because they are making your life impossible? So, yeah, like how can we handle? Because in a way, I realize that if you cannot process the experience of pain, it's gonna be hard to experience and process and delight in pleasure because those are ways, doorways, these hallways of experience that you mentioned. So yeah, like for me, the solution has been numbing the pain or numbing my listening and my perceptiveness of people that are like harmful. But that also numbs my connection with people that are like 
supporting and and good people and and the experience of of pleasure in relations okay so i i would start by answering that by saying we should be very careful not to condemn ourselves for doing the things we need to do to survive if you have learned you or anyone else me i've certainly done this have learned to numb yourself against experiences you find difficult to deal with good well done you have found how to survive okay. you know great I, there is no value in condemning ourselves for having found strategies to get through the difficulties of our daily lives Okay. dissociation from trauma in traumatic situations or switching off from toxic people or whatever they have really good survival strategies okay <laughs> where those things become problematic is where you are applying those survival strategies where they don't need to be survived yes you know where there isn't there isn't a threat but you respond as if there is there are people there with whom you would benefit from connecting but you simply hide behind your own disconnectedness and again i would say there is no value at all in condemning yourself for it because your mind is doing what your mind needs to do which is protecting you it is simply miss reading the situation by assuming that there is a threat or a danger when actually the threat and the danger is elsewhere or in the past so one way to begin to work with that again i come back to presence is instead of working from a deep level fear of what if this is a toxic situation what if this person is to say and engage with what is what is come back to the sensuality of the moment go is there actually a threat here if there is dissociate switch off do whatever you need to do if there's not within the boundaries small step by small step of the boundaries of feeling safe choose to engage choose to engage step by step and slowly presence is a fundamental part of that now the deeper level i think of the the answer to that question for me within the work i do in self with others is to train yourself to become a virtuoso in the playing of your own system yes it's practice it's, it's pra and practice inevitably means mistakes yes okay errors you know, if you want to be able to go, oh, God, I really want to play that piece of music on the piano. You've got to screw up a lot along the way. Yes. And you've got to slow down. You've got to take missteps. You're going to know it's not playing with that finger. It's got to be played with that finger. It's all of that stuff. Now, you 
live on the edge of these two universes, you have an enormously, magnificently, gloriously complex psychophysical system, interactions of mind and brain, consciousness and unconsciousness, all of these things. It's glorious. If you want to be able to use it as well as you can, you dedicate your lifetime to observing and learning. Observing. You and no condemnation. Yeah. No There's no point in you know, no point in saying, Oh, I I I've learned to dissociate, I'm a bad person. The the useful thing is to go, I have felt obliged to dissociate. And isn't it brilliant? I've noticed and I am going to learn the techniques to move beyond, not by condemning myself, not by fighting myself, not by calling myself a failure and simply reinforcing my need to dissociate. But I'm going to say, good, now in this moment, in the heart of my present moment experience, I'm going to take my next small step by changing how I think, by paying attention to my body, by listening to the appearance of tension in my body, by observing the system of communication I'm involved in, by engaging my senses. There's a whole range of techniques. What matters is that you become a virtuoso in the playing of your own instrument. Become a virtuoso in the playing of your own awareness and as your presence, as your way of being in the world, as a world, also in this thin edge of the now, where the yeah. universe is. But because because well, because now is where it's all at. There isn't anywhere else. It's not actually the thin edge. It's the universe. So there is only now. There's only now. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a it's a tiny tiny fragment of moment, but it's also eternity, because every moment is now. Every moment. So, if we pay attention to now, we are paying attention to our eternal truth. Yes. And to how we move through this continuum of now in presence. And this reminds me of what you say of having no opinion, like, like don't condemn yourself from disassociating from from hardship, like now you are aware and gradually um, open to engage to someone or the situation as you discover in presence that is safe for you. But then I'm curious on, on how fantasy would play a role and I mean I don't know if it's fantasy or actually envisioning or projecting like you have a dream and then you go and work consistently as if in a way you're being pulled as as if you split in two and you throw your dream self <laughs> to that vision that you have and your dream self or whatever your your aspirations will your real you do there like like you have like like a journey but it's not real yet like it's not real yet but it's something brimming under the surface in you that propels you there and i am very curious on 
if you have sensed this or if you have a name for this, because especially I see it as what you mentioned with the role playing, like how, how do you do as an actor to, to become there, to, not to become, to authentically be in the role that you are playing and like make it for real? The, the heart for, for me, in my understanding of performance, the heart of authenticity in performance is to understand that to be convincing, you must be really doing what you're doing at the moment that you're doing it. Yes. If you're being a policeman, you don't have to go, I imagine what it is to be a policeman. That, that for me is not very useful. If you're being a policeman and your, your role in a, 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 you know, a scene is to go in and be looking around and going, there's something suspicious in this room. I've got to find out. I'm, I'm imagining a crap detective film now. You know, but the, the, the way to be authentic or the, the beginnings of being authentic in that is to make sure that when you walk into the room, you actually look around. You actually see things. Bad acting, number one. I didn't drink the tea. If I want to be authentically drinking tea, I stop. I taste it. And I carry on. And if a policeman is drinking tea in this scene, he authentically... And then carries on. It's authentic. <laughs> If you the somebody in a scene is blindly eating a pizza without thinking about it while doing something else, they are genuinely paying attention to that other thing while eating the pizza. Now, that's not quite true because actors also have a third eye, which is observing their own performance. But that's really like a map onto mindfulness, the observing self. You are doing what you're doing while still observing yourself doing it. So there are sets of ways that you can map those things together. But the heart of the authentic process is to be really doing what you're doing at the moment that you're doing it really doing what you're doing at the moment that you're doing it that you're doing it yes it's so obvious and then you wanted to you you talked about imagination or no you talked about fantasy and dream and so on and in my sort of scheme of how i see things and this is just how i see things all of those things can be put by, can be summed up by one word, which is imagination, which is one of the great extraordinary human evolutionary advantages and this extraordinary human gift that we've got. And like most human gifts, we're just as likely to abuse it as we are to benefit from it. But, you know, all of these things, fantasy, projection, uh, ambition, dreaming, they're all about imagination, the ability to throw forward towards possible futures. So in my understanding of how I see myself living, it's and what I kind of talk about when I'm coaching people or training people through self with others, is in this moment, which is the only moment that exists, but in this moment, we carry with us the baggage of the past and we imagine 
a path forward towards our future that imagining might be visioning it might be dreaming it might be ambition it might be whatever we are imagining and we are caught between the weight of the past and our learned experiences and the creative freedom of our imagination how much do you dare imagine some people imagine like that some people imagine like that some people imagine the universe and so in each moment the imagination is offering us a direction to go in but no guarantee you'll get there but a direction to head in and the past is the protective clothing and the baggage you carry but in each moment you decide do i still need to carry this with me maybe i've carried this suitcase long enough i moved house not so long ago hundreds of boxes of books three thousand books or something downstairs really i should have done a, a, a process of saying will i ever read this book again should i carry it with me some of them moved, i've been to australia and back you know when i lived in australia and i haven't read them you know books i bought 40 years ago still haven't read them been to australia came back now moved to ireland you know but we choose what to put down but it is a choice not an easy choice but it is a choice and our imagination is a set of choices that are offered to us of possible directions of travel possible some people will go what i imagine is i want to be married and have children and live in a suburban environment and have a nice job and to go out to my friends for the weekend i magnificent some people go i don't know what i want to be doing but i know i want to be out of this hellhole where i grew up and i want to get on a plane and go somewhere on the other side of the world i don't it's always the human imagination pulls us forward but don't believe it it's not telling you what will happen it's setting your direction yes setting your direction nice imagination is like an arrow that you point but you're the one that has to go through the journey moment totally. by and, and when you fire that arrow let's say you fire that arrow you never know whether a wind's going to blow it off totally you never know where the wind is going to blow it yeah so we are unfrozen so yes unfrozen again unfrozen again yeah a moment of of an, reflection an impasse. A, a permanent and yeah an impasse in that arrow <laughs> a permanent moment of presence a permanent moment of presence which leads me to another question that is okay so imagination leads you not leads you points a direction and you lead yourself step by step so now i am curious on what's your take on arriving so i have two examples that are similar for me there was always a big challenge uh, to perform an, on a theater at that edge moment of set of making the first step into the stage 
like I am in the dressing room doing my makeup with a corset and and I mean you can see that the makeup is a makeup and I can see that it's Candia and then like the moment I enter stage it's the arriving into the role or a driving into the ambition destination and maybe also arriving into the make believe of a sincere performance so i for me it's like like a very challenging edge between those two universes and it's like breaking into the now and the other example is like when you are about to to go to bed with your beloved or or something and you are like in in your mood and your fantasy and like how do you go through that before and after of states of roles and of actions because i have found myself being with the beloved and going through the grocery list of of the supermarket out of nowhere and <laughs> yeah like the wrong moment and the wrong place to check on the to-do list well when i am at the supermarket i am super hot thinking of the boyfriend or whatever or <laughs> yeah or like being on stage and suddenly i hear i listen the popcorn of someone eating as i am doing my mm -hmm. my virtuoso movement so yeah like how can you be present yeah how can you handle a change of state a change of action a change of role in an authentic and present way well the underlying answer is continually to maintain your presence. Mm -hmm. One of my one of my definitions of presence is presence is our natural state when we are not distracted. To become present, you eradicate distraction. We don't have to do anything to become present. We have to stop doing something. We have to stop being distracted. Presence is not somewhere to get to. Presence yes. is somewhere to return to. So if you find that you are losing your authentic presence because you have fallen into distraction, the process is to be mindful enough to notice you have become distracted and mentally disciplined enough to choose not to be distracted. Sensual engagement is the shortcut back to presence. Mental discipline is the way that we maintain presence. Mindfulness is our ability to observe when we have lost presence. 
so the, the eight principles of presence I work with are mental disciplines. They are when you notice that you have become distracted, they are ways of guiding your thinking away from distraction and back into presence. So you're getting super hot in the, the, the supermarket when you're supposed to be working out which tin of tomatoes to buy. The mental discipline is to go, I notice I've got super hot in the supermarket and I, it's distracting me from buying tomatoes. Come back and pay attention to the tomatoes. Which is not a very interesting thing to do. It is perhaps more interesting the other way when you're going, I'm about to go to bed with my beloved and I've suddenly started wondering whether I bought the right tin of tomatoes to notice you've done that and go, no, come back to sensuality, come back, reaccess the relationship between your inner and outer world in this moment and then discipline your thoughts now again disciplining your thoughts sounds very rational uh, i must remember to pay attention we learn to discipline in our thoughts rationally once we have embodied it it happens naturally just as you learn a piece of complex choreography or acting or music you learn it rationally you go no, i move my right foot and then i move my left foot or i must project this word not that word or it's that finger not that finger when you're playing it's slow and it is rational and detailed step by step but the aim is not to be you know about to go to bed with your beloved and go i must remember the eight principles of presence that's that's, yeah, that's hardly romantic the aim is to have embodied those yes so that they become how you engage with the world. Just as accessing sensuality is not something you want to walk through your day and 10 times a day go, I must remember to access my sensuality. You do it so often, it becomes how you walk through your day. Yes, yes. You walk through your day sensually engaged. I go for a walk and I don't go, I must remember to listen to the sound of the sea. I simply hear the sound of the sea. Yeah. I'm used to listening. I'm used to focusing my thoughts. And yes, I screw up and it goes wrong. And, you know, and then you use your rational mind to bring you back on, on, onto the path you need to be on. But the aim, <coughs> excuse me, the aim is to embody our conceptual thinking and our embody and our sensual knowledge so that they become embodied knowledge. Yeah, to make it a lifestyle to to live a uh, a life of presence and being sensual like okay you're choosing the tomatoes not thinking on your beloved but you're essentially engaging with the tomatoes like noticing the bright red color the scent of the tomatoes like ah this is gonna make a great caprese salad and oh the tomato is super soft and the plastic or paper bag has this texture. And I listen to the paper bag. And I feel my my body moving as I push the cart. So it's it's a way of being in the world. And for me, these, these uh, concepts of, of presence and being here in the moment gives me the, the sense of taking ownership of 
your experience. Yes. And really assuming the authority with yourself because I I am a rebellious person, but I am also very well behaved. Like I I, I am polite and educated and whatever. And there's a point where you have to be relentless from the part of yourself that is uh, self-conscious and worried with the what if in regards to the others by passing the what is. So it's like, no, this is not the moment to worry about the IRS or, or I don't know, global warming. I am now with my beloved and it's not that the rest of the things or my responsibilities don't matter so i feel that it's very important to to be your own authority and authorize mm -hmm. yourself to be present with the tomatoes and nothing else the same way that you authorize yourself to delight in your intimate pleasure with your mm. beloved and the same way that uh, so i would I... yeah which is which is uh basically saying the same thing but the the phrase i would use is to give yourself permission to live in the center of your own experience yes to give yourself permission. To give yourself permission. It is it is about authorization. I, I, I perfectly accept that. But there's something I think we so often withhold permission from ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. We devalue the lived experience that we're having. And we devalue it because we don't think we are worth paying attention to. I... So we don't pay attention to our experiences because we have been taught we are inadequate. You're inadequate because you're not clever enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not tall enough. You don't wear the right makeup. You're the wrong sexuality. You're the wrong ethnicity. You're this, you're that. You're not good enough. And because we take that right inside us, right from the age of six months, we fail to give ourselves permission to pay attention to our lived experience. And for me, it's a generous act of saying to ourselves, hey, you know this life you're living, live it. Experience it, whether it's your lover or a tomato, experience it. And of course, there's going to be times when you stuff a pizza down your mouth because you're thinking about something else. That's OK. It's not about wandering around like you're trying to be the Buddha all the time. <clears throat> it's about giving yourself permission to return to the center of your own life story. Yes. Giving yourself permission to return to the center of your life story. It's the biggest thing I try to do in my coaching work and my mentoring work and a lot of my writing, but particularly in coaching and mentoring, is to create space for people where they give themselves permission. I don't give them anything. They don't need my permission. Create space where they give themselves permission 
to treat themselves with the respect that they ought to be treated. And frankly, if you don't treat yourself with respect, who are you going to treat with respect? And the heart of treating yourself with respect is being willing uncritically to engage with your present moment experience. Give yourself even if that's a supermarket, a supermarket buying tomatoes. Yes. And how can you take this experience, this beingness at the center of your center that is the experience of the now to relate with the others? How how is it possible to relate with others? without being carried away especially uh for for women that not not everyone but culturally we are educated to be caregivers and to be to self-sacrifice and yes it's pleasurable to take care of of other people but i feel that there is an extra challenge to not forget about oneself like how can can we relate truly relate without losing our own center how can we create this there are time. with others so so there is a self with others like you say and not self blurring out so there can be a we that also happens in in relations again the foundation is presence presence you know it, that's the foundation for which everything grows it's not the answer to everything but it, it is the foundation for the answer to almost everything uh because presence is about saying get out of your thoughts and fantasies and fears and and connect with reality presence is just about connecting with reality so if you want to be exploring or refining or um evolving your relationship with another be present with them you can't force them to be present with you. We don't get to force other people to be present with us. We become available to others. You sit on the edge of the universe outside and the universe inside and you become available to others and present with them while at the same time being available to your own emotions, not always trusting your emotions because your emotions often come from old paradigms and that's what we're working on. But you sit being present with yourself and present with another. And then you simply make the best guess you can about what is needed. Sometimes it is about sacrificing yourself for someone else. I don't go down the line of saying, hey, you're so important that you should never sacrifice yourself for someone else. To hell with that. There are times when you go, this person needs my help and I'm going to give them everything I can, even if it costs me. Yes. And there are other times when you go, this person is going to take everything I've got and I don't want to give it. I'm going to withhold that. There is a constant observation of what is being asked of you and what you feel able to give. And like to water in a tank, you're balancing them. And you're sitting between those two things and observing them. 
my guide for how you observe it is another principle of presence, which is pursue pleasure. Hunt for the balance between giving and serving your inner needs. Hunt for the balance by saying, what really gives me a satisfaction now? Or a satisfaction long term. Perhaps the satisfaction now is by saying, I don't really want to do what I'm going to do, but I know I'll feel better, good about it later. Perhaps that's a satisfaction. But you guide yourself by listening to what gives you well, Joseph Campbell said, follow your bliss. What gives you bliss, whether that's immediate bliss, which the Greeks would call hedonia, hedonism, or long-term bliss, which is, uh, the Greeks would say, I can never say this, eudaimonia, I think it's, it is, although not very well pronounced, which is long-term pleasure. You look at those things and you say, I am guided by serving and searching for what makes me feel like I am authentically being the person I want to be. And sometimes you'll get it wrong. You'll give too much and you'll feel you've depleted yourself or you'll give yourself too much and feel you've let other people down. Cool, we get things wrong. That's what life is, getting things wrong. Yes. And through getting many things wrong, we find our path. I think it was Buckminster Fuller who said, you know, you want to know how to move forward? Try, uh, no, trial and error, 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 error. And it's so right. Trial and do the best you can. And then observe, review, and let that observation and process of review guide your decision-making next time without beating yourself up. Yeah, completely free from condemnation, having no opinion. We can, on, we can only grow from self-acceptance because self-acceptance is reality. This isn't a Facebook yeah. meme. Hey, accept yourself. None of that crap. Self-acceptance is reality. It is yeah. saying... I am who I am right now. The good bits, the bad bits, the successes, the failures. Self-acceptance is looking at reality and saying, this is what we have to work with. Yeah. And self-acceptance isn't complacency. It's yeah. saying, this is what I work with. And I give myself permission, or to use your word, authority, to evolve and to grow and to change. Yeah, Self-acceptance is, is also humbling and at the same time it's like a gives me a sense of divine pride because it's like this is the reality, this is who and how I am now, flawed and wondrous. And here I am mm -hmm. with, with putting all the meat on the grill, like <laughs> no reserves, coming fully into the present of the present, like really being involved in this moment and sensuality and pleasure and satisfaction finally led me to a devastating clarity about fantasy because I love imagination. I have an inner 
Wonderland in in my mind. That sometimes <laughs> it's even more interesting than reality. And the problem with fantasy is precisely that is not real. So, like presence, it's also a a practice of relinquishing fantasy. So pleasure and bliss can bloom because pleasure is flesh, pleasure is real, pleasure can only happen in in in, in the present, in the now. Yeah, but but fantasy is real. <gasps> at the time you at the yeah, time but... you're having a fantasy at the time you're having a fantasy, that is a created experience of your mind. That's what's happening in your mind. It's real. Just as a dream while you are dreaming is real. All of these, none of these things need to be excluded from our lives. They are all real. Okay. What needs to be perhaps excluded is the fantasies that things ought to be different or you should be different. Okay. Reality is the tin of tomatoes it's yeah. your lover but it's also your fantasies okay. if you sit there and you're dreaming about you know you know some intimate fantasy or about being on a spaceship for the time you're doing it it's real and it's part of your human capacity why would you condemn that why would you throw that away you were born with this extraordinary imagination don't put that down okay let that be your guide let that be your gift Put down the crap which you have been taught that you are not good enough. Okay. Those are the fantasies that we need to put down because they are fantasies about inadequacy. We don't, we're not born with them. We're born feeling fully adequate. We expect to be loved. We expect unconditional acceptance. And we learn self-condemnation self-hatred we learn defense fantasies are absolutely real fantasies are absolutely live them real. love them so just get rid of the crap that you're not good enough so the thing is to to make the discernment on between what is what is a fantasy that it's a true expression of say your desire your imagination or your whatever and not um a false belief of hiding away in some self-idealization of something that you are not because you feel that you are not enough am i getting it right yeah, the, the, all I'm saying is that fantasy is a an, uh, part of the human imagination and the human imagination is one of the greatest gifts we've evolved. So to condemn fantasy is to condemn you being human. And how does fantasy but, can play in this realness of playing a role, of authentically performing? Because, I mean, I have played being a vampire, and I love that mm -hmm. as much as I would like to. I am not a vampire. Well, maybe I wouldn't like... Would you like to be a vampire? 
and live forever? No, no, no definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> I wouldn't mind being in a vampire film. I was brought up on Bela Lugosi films. I always thought that he was amazing. He uh, was Count amazing. Dracula and all of that. Yeah, he was a fantastic actor. Because, you know, it's it's not realistic acting. It's basically expressionist acting uh, coming out of 19th century melodrama. It's very unreal, but he is so... He just is Count Dracula. And, you know, 60 years since I... Or, you know, 55 years, 50 years since I, I watched, you know, the Bela Lugosi films for the first time... And his performance is still in me. I can still see the way he looks and the way he moves. And that is such a powerful performance. He is really doing what he's doing. Whereas you see a lot of stuff in soap operas and you go, they're not doing what they're doing. They're just putting on a little mask of exactly. technical actions. Exactly. Technical actions. Like Martha Graham said, the body mm. can't, the body doesn't lie. And there's something yes. that we, as as the audience, can read transparently that that person mm -hmm. is acting that he's acting instead of playing the role. Yeah, but also, you know, you you will have sat in a coffee bar or a bar talking to someone, and you're having a nice conversation, and suddenly you'll know even though they're still looking at you and going like this, you'll know they're no longer listening to you. Yes. You will know that they are no longer present and you'll go, what? What are you thinking about? What's happened? You know, it's a hardwired in us to know when someone is not paying attention to us. It's a survival mechanism. If when you someone... meet someone and they're going... Yeah, when if, if you meet someone person. and... They're... So the heart of acting is training yourself to be paying attention in the present moment to what you're doing. That's what draws the eye of the audience. There's another whole conversation there about what presence on stage is, but we probably can't go there today. Yeah, well, that, that may be another episode. So would you share us a, a tip on maybe how to draw the eye of the beloved? Like, it's not the same you and your beloved or whatever when you're doing the laundry and you you ate a lot of i don't know tacos with beans frijoles and you're farting and like you're <laughs> in your random existence then when you shift into your predatory desire mode of intimacy or whatever and as it's not, well, maybe there are people that is very fortunate to give themselves themselves permission to express free from inhibition in certain roles or moments. But a lot of people is panicked to see that this predatorial or desire or maybe, I don't know, submissive whatever thing it's also mm -hmm. a part of you like you're playing a role but that's also you like i i am proficient at playing the role of the teacher because i have practiced that role for over 25 years so it goes out automatically but there are roles that we are 
not familiar. And while we begin to open into this self-expression of voicing pleasure or voicing desire or moving sensually and making mistakes, trying to let the expression of yourself come out, like what is some tip or exercise that we could do, like short, to to be more comfortable into this role? Accept what accept what is. Accept what just is. go with what is. Get rid of those voices that go what you should be or the right right way of doing this and accept what is and if you know you've eaten your beans and you're farting and you're trying to move into seduction mode and you fart well what is is you're going to be laughing <laughs> let the laughter be the seduction yeah. you know if you sort of go i'm feeling i'm trying to be all sort of dominant and i feel a bit foolish then let yourself feel a bit foolish yes and either you will inhabit the role in humor or you will grow into the role in seriousness. And both of those are fine. There's no right way to be a human being. So just work with unconditional acceptance of what is and get rid of the voices that go, the universe ought to be different. The universe is not going to change just because you think it should. Yes. It's bigger than you are. Yeah, definitely. Super, mega, ultra, bigger than... <laughs> yeah, accept what is and and move with radical acceptance of you and and let and of course and we become and we become present and respond to what's happening. Yeah, and it's always about being present and responding and responding, and that that also creates this the space for the other to exist in your ex experience and react. To you instead of cancelling the other and trying to cancel the world by fitting everything on on your idea of what should be because you feel that you're not worthy or whatever and actually this it reminds me that the most fascinating people is for me are and also the the moments and interactions are those candid Candorous moments of shared presence that mm. that you are at the very edge of yourself where you don't even know who you are because you are becoming you moment by moment and becoming as who you are in that specific interaction with the other. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about the self with others, which is a concept that is very fascinating to me. So, yeah. So self with others is a framework for thinking and a framework for acting in the world. It's really the stuff that I've been talking about here, understanding that we live in interconnection, working through uh, deepening our ability to be present, uh, working with self-acceptance, all of the things that we've been exploring here, sensuality, pleasure, all of those things. 
Self with others began as a way of training performers, but now I use it very broadly. And basically there's two functions in it. First of all, it describes the world because we are bored up with a whole load of things about we should be this or the mind is separated from the body, which is, of course, an utter lie, uh, all of these things. And so it helps. This isn't a belief system. It's, you know, based in simple research. Uh, it helps explain and describe the world as it is. And then it gives people tools and techniques to be able to change themselves and to navigate in the world um, so that they can align themselves with reality, align themselves with the fact that we're all part of nature, we're all interconnected with each other, that, you know, all of these things that are so important. First, understand the world, then learn how to transform yourself in the world. It's used now, I use it in my coaching business, I teach self with others as a framework of thinking to other people, it's used by coaches, it's used by therapists, health workers, business people, entrepreneurs, I still teach performers occasionally. Um, it's used sometimes by people who come out of spiritual domain, spiritual domains who are interested in exploring that sort of area. It's a I call it a framework for thinking. It helps whatever you bring in, self with others integrates your personal experience and knowledge and truth, helps you integrate it to create solid ground on which you can stand as you try to navigate your way through the world. It gives us a firm way of being in the world, understanding that I must be in authentic connection with myself. I must be in authentic connection with the people that I'm with. I must be in authentic connection with the natural world. I'm in connection with culture. I'm in connection with history. I'm in connection with everything. And all of those connections can be changed and developed and evolved. So it's a way of seeing yourself in the world, which I think, well, I know after 30 years of work and getting a lot of responses from people, offers people real strength in navigating their own lives, putting themselves at the center of their own lives, while also being kinder and of greater and deeper service to those that they are in community with and and so on so that's self with others fascinating self with others gives you a strong foundation to be in the world so how can we learn more about it do you have a website yeah come to my website at www.johnbritton.co just co nothing else nothing not com or anything like that johnbritton.co come to my website it's currently being redesigned but it will be up and running again in about a week i've had a bit of a back-end problem with my website um or you can just write to me at john at johnbritton.co and talk to me join my mailing list chat to me and let's you know my mission is to try to help people connect with their better selves and live more easefully and more kindly in the world and while we're at it let's stop destroying the world that we live on all of these things are interconnected so if you want to talk then just get in touch and talk to me 
Yeah, so go to www.johnbritton.co, meaning .co, and join his newsletter. He sends amazing emails. Like, I always make myself a ritual of preparing myself a coffee or a hot tea, sitting and enjoying soaking in his his messages. Thank you so much, John. This this has been an amazing episode. It's a real pleasure to be here. It's always lovely talking to you. Thank you. And thank you, Sensualists, for being here at the Sensual Sessions podcast. If you haven't subscribed already to the Sensual emails, please go to www.centraldepoder.com and get yourself signed up. Until next time, remember to sense your fire so you can share the flame.